Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I'm joined today by Patty Calkins of Exhale Myofascial Release in Richmond, Virginia. For those of you who don't know Patty, I just want to give you a little background. Patty and I work together in group coaching. And so we've known each other for a little while, but it's been a while since we've had like a face-to-face check-in. So I'm excited to find out what's going on in your business. And I know other people listening are going to be very excited about the stories that you're going to share. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. Good to hear. So let's get into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how did you get into myofascial release? Like what was going on when you started your business kind of before you found me? Yeah. I don't think we've ever even talked about this. So that's Mm -hmm. that's even more fun. Yeah. Well, I'm a physical therapist assistant as well as a massage therapist now. And when I was in school to become a PTA, my clinical instructor was a John Barnes myofascial release therapist. And I was having chronic neck pain because I was driving two hours a day to go to school and I was a single parent. So it was just a teeny bit of stress, just a teeny bit. And between studying and driving and trying to stay on top of everything, I was having a lot of neck pain. And she worked on me more than once. And I was pretty sold on what she was doing. I knew that she shared that with somebody else once a week. And I thought, well, it sounds like a pretty nice life. Mm -hmm. She shared a little bit of the technique with us in class. We had a couple of days and I felt like I didn't have a clue at what I was doing, but I was intrigued. So when I became a therapist, I started working with children. A lot of my children that I was working with had cerebral palsy. And I just thought, you know, they need to have some hands on those little tight tendons, those really tight legs. And so I'd put my hands on them and imagine I knew what I was doing (laughs) because I hadn't had an official course. I'd only had a little bit of time, you know, playing with it. And I just continued to do that throughout my career until I finally had a boss and it was a totally different environment. But when I met her, she said, you know, I'm a myofascial therapist trained by John Barnes. Uh, She was a speech therapist. I would love to help you get that training. Wow. Yeah. But it took, oh gosh, it took, I was six years into my career before I finally had somebody who was interested in in sending me to to school. Because that's Mm-hmm. Back in those days as a PTA, they paid for your continuing education. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if they approved it. Right. Okay, so they sent you for training. They did. What was your first seminar? 
MFR1 was my first seminar. Then they sent me to fascial pelvis. And then I paid for unwinding. Okay. And all of that led me to the last kind of my last stop in my PT career, which was pelvic floor therapy. But those hands-on skills that I've been playing with all the time leading up to the point where I got trained as a John Barnes therapist, that served me really, really well. That and the training led me to the pelvic floor therapy. I never would have ended up in pelvic floor therapy if I hadn't had an interest in doing hands-on work, mm-hmm. the manual work. I never would have had that opportunity. And it w- I really loved it. It's enriched my career. It is a big part of who I am still today, even though I don't do pelvic floor therapy anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm super grateful to that boss for having sent me. And I dreamed about working for myself, dreamed about it for years and years and years. And it took me seven years to finally get fed up with the situation in the therapy world and walk away. Essentially, I, I went to massage school. And as soon as I was done with massage school, I realized that I was going to be working for myself. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit, because this is something that comes up like a lot of people that are in my current group coaching program. So that's like my February group are leaving their job. So we've got PTAs leaving. We've got PTs leaving. A few have already left, but this seems to be like a grieving process for some people. And I just want to know like what your experience was like when you decided you were done and decided to leave. Like, was it hard for you to leave? And if so, like, what about it was hard? Like, do you remember the experience of that? Can you kind of talk about that? Oh, definitely. Definitely remember it. I had had a number of years, probably four to five years of not getting full-time work. Mm -hmm. The things had changed in the insurance world. And so they were not giving me the hours that I needed, even though I had a good hourly rate. And so I felt during those years, there was a huge demand for what I was doing. Mm -hmm. The city that I was living in then, which isn't Richmond, we didn't have enough pelvic floor therapists. There are still not enough pelvic floor therapists pretty much anywhere. Right. Yeah. So I felt really frustrated. I thought, if you could just let me do my work, I could serve this population because I really loved what I was doing because that population was a chronic pain population. Yeah. So I couldn't figure out how to go to massage school and work simultaneously that my brain just couldn't wrap itself around that. And in 2020, the world kind of exploded and I moved to Richmond. I couldn't find a job as a PTA, as a pelvic floor PTA. And a number of circumstances led to me just getting incredibly fed up. I couldn't find the salary that I was needing. They wanted me to take pay cuts and not have the hours. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so interesting? It's like you think being employed by someone else like creates all this stability and trust that you can trust that you'll always have hours, always get paid. And then there's this time that we all know, and I think some people are already starting to forget that they can just not pay you. They can promise you the world and not deliver on it. And there's no consequence to them. A lot of people will stay there. Yeah. It happened all the time, Mm. all the time. And it happened for a number of years for me. Like even before 2020. So it's like not even a COVID problem. This is just like an industry problem. No, it's an industry problem, at least for PTAs. I can't speak for PTs, but 
for PTAs because now they're getting paid. Uh, insurance is paying less for a PTA to serve a patient, and that they knew that was coming. And and so they were prepping by down offloading them, like offloading essentially. Them. Yeah, I was like trying to think of the okay. right word. So like originally was the idea behind hiring a bunch of PTAs. Like, I'm not a PTA, so I'm just like very curious, like. The whole point of that was they could pay you less, but you could see more patients. So then they didn't have to pay the higher, like one PT could basically manage or supervise infinite PTAs and they could bill out whatever and make money. Roughly because, you know, they still have to supervise. Yeah. um, Air quotes there. Yeah. Yeah. Really for most of us, if you're a good PTA, they're not really having to do a whole lot. You're checking in with them to see if, you know, your thinking is right or, you know, what do you think about if we do this? How would you feel about that? You know, Mm -hmm. like if you have a good relationship, it's, it's really sort of more like a peer relationship, which is pretty nice. But yes, that is absolutely the thinking that they didn't have to pay us as much. And so as a result, they could serve more people. Um, Then the insurance world started to shift and they realized that they weren't going to make as much money as they were. And PTAs were requiring, you know, a higher pay, at least at some point. So the people like me who had been working for 10, 15 years, I was being told, well, you make as much as a PT because I had specialized training. I had thousands of dollars in training as a pelvic floor therapist. Yeah. You know, they were just like, oh no, no. So crazy. It's like not yeah. based on the service you're doing or the results your clients are getting. It's just like, do you check these boxes? And if you don't, like we cannot pay you this amount. And if you're getting yeah. paid it, we're going to take it away. Cause that was an oopsie. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we have cancellations, then we're just going to give your patients to the PT because PT can serve the patient just as well. Even though what you've been doing with this patient is very intimate <laughs> and they have a relationship with you. I was just a cog in the system and, you yeah. know, I got reminded of that continuously. And it just, it took me a, re- like my stories around money. Yeah. Really, really affected me. And those are some of the things that you helped me with for sure. You've oh. helped me with. Good, good. Well, let's get into that in a little bit. But <laughs> yes. before that, like, so, you know, you're thinking about leaving, you're having stories about money. Like, can you remember what the thought was about leaving that made that difficult or maybe kept you there longer than you intended to stay? Because something had to have been going on that kept you there. That Was it like the thought, like, it's dangerous to leave or how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah, I can tell you just briefly, I was raised by a single parent uh-huh. who was raised in the depression. So I can't, like my messaging probably even encoded genetically is that we don't have money and we're probably never going to have money. We're never going to have what we need. And so I had some bases where things were stable financially when I was married at that point, you know, earlier in my life, it was stable. We were okay. Plus you had this great job, you know, like in air quotes, like you had created a a stable quote unquote career for yourself being a PTA. Like that should seem very financially stable, right? Right. And I had every new job I took because every two to three years I would leave a job. Mm -hmm. Every single time I got a 10 to 20% raise. I set myself up. So every single time I got a bigger raise, you know, I was a clinical coordinator at one point. 
you're going up the ladder. Exactly. I was going up yeah. the ladder. Although as a PTA, I was, you know, hitting sort of this window, like things had shifted. They didn't want me to be an administrator, even though I had leadership ability. Yeah. You didn't have the right letters beyond your name. Oh, no, I did not have the right letters at all. Yeah. And because of that, they could throw me away very easily. You know, they could offer me 20 hours of of work instead of 40 hours of work. They could take away my, my benefits. I had a conversation at one point when I was moving to Richmond, I wanted to keep my job and they were like, well, we're just going to drop you down to 20 hours a week. And I said, what? (laughs) I have a a child on health insurance. I'm not going to have health insurance if you do that. They're like, oh, really? Well, that's too bad. I mean, yeah, like you're just a number really at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I'd been there for four years. I was just a number. I had to hear that message over and over again until I finally said, I'm done. I am done with this. I know I can do better. Yeah. So you were done there and then you decided to go to massage school. Yeah, basically. I I had a couple jobs here, which were far worse than the... (laughs) I thought that was a bad situation. It was yeah. much worse here. But the situation earlier definitely sealed that envelope and made me go, okay, I'm getting out. So I went to massage school and that was okay. a big commitment. Yeah. What gave you the courage, do you think, to like pay the money to go to massage school and like leave a job behind? Or were you right. still employed when you went or how was that? I was still employed. I, okay. I sat down and I said, I would like to drop down to half time so I can go to massage school and they said, that's great. And about a month later, they cut my whole schedule and said, we're mm-hmm. going to give all of your patients to the PT. And we're not sure when we're going to have a need for you. Okay. So basically, I became unemployed about a month month or two after I started a massage school. Okay. So what was that like? <laughs> like, was that pretty scary? Uh, I was so angry and I was so scared. But I mean, I've remarried. And that was part of like, honestly, having the support of my husband it was mm-hmm. like, you're not happy that I know you're going to be successful and we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah, no, it was really nice. I had never had that before. I'd never had that kind of support. So he's a big part of why I was able to walk away because he was like, I got you, you know, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what we need to see, like in our partners, right? Is like that reflection of, We know we'll be okay, but like when someone else also tells us we're going to be okay, it makes it seem more real sometimes. Like you have to believe it too. Like someone can't believe it for you a lot of the time. You know, they can like do 50% of it, but you've got to believe too. Right, exactly. Okay, so you finished massage school. You you had already taken some John Barnes classes when you were PTA? Yeah, I had taken three courses. I had paid for a fourth course. And okay. it had been sitting there, the credit had been sitting there for a very long time. But here's the thing. I was absolutely insistent that I was not going to specialize in MFR. Oh, why? I have no idea why I was not going to specialize in MFR. Yeah, that's so funny. You're like, I like giving massages. <laughs> I think that's like the lie that all massage therapists tell themselves. Like I can say this too, because I was a massage therapist for a long time (laughs) and I was really good at it, right? Like that's my thought about myself. And I was like, Mm -hmm. and people really love this and I'm really good at it. And when you have that thought about yourself, it's super hard to change your identity. Just like it's hard to go from being a PTA to a massage therapist because your identity is in PTA. Yeah. 
was that kind of what was happening for you? Like you kind of created this new persona for yourself of like being good at what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. I thought that having all those tools in my tool belt. Yeah. You know, I liked the cool stones and cupping. Uh-huh. And I, I was like, I can see how playing with all these tools. So I don't get bored. I don't get bored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I opened my business in January of 2022. Okay. And by April, I was having so much pain in my hands and my forearms from the massage, working hard from the massages I was doing. Yeah. I was, we were driving to Delaware to go to, I was going to MFR2. Okay. Because I was like, well, it's not going to cost me anything to go to MFR2. I just have to pay for, you know, my lodging. So my husband's like, oh, I'll go with you. And so we're driving up there. And as I'm driving, he is massaging my forearms and my hands because I'm like, my hands were just throbbing. And I thought to myself, what (laughs) are you doing? Yeah. I mean... You're going to an MFR course. You could just be doing MFR. Yeah. And you could have a niche and you could charge more. Yeah. And you don't have to work so hard. Like, yeah. I want to also make it clear, like doing MFR only, it's not easier necessarily on your body. Like it's, you're still like using your body as your tool, but for sure, it's just more sustainable and you're not working so like the efforting is different, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Cause it makes me cringe when people are like, Oh, you're doing MFR cause it's easier. Like I had someone say that to me the other day and I was like, I will cut you. Like this is not (laughs) true. (laughs) I'm a nonviolent person who pretends to be violent. No, I'm not suggesting that it's easier, but I know for sure. Massage is harder on your body. Yeah. Like, you have to work really hard to make any changes. That's the difference. Yes, because you're working superficially and you're doing everything. You have to work on every part of the body. Yeah. And you have to work hard. You work hard for your money. <laughs> <laughs> I the think song. there's a song about that. You work hard for your money. <laughs> Yes. Karaoke hour is next. Okay. So you went to MFR2. You were done with massage school by that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you started your business in January of 2022. You went in May. Then what happened? I came home and I just started doing only MFR with my clients, but I was still charging them what I'd been charging for massage because like I was talking to people about what I had done. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my clients and I was building my business. I think I was, I was on, you know, not quite full, which is pretty good for five months in. I had, I had built my business, yeah, but I wasn't quite there yet to figure out, like, I knew I needed to raise my prices mm-hmm. and I knew that I needed to educate my people and I didn't really have the courage to like kind of do that. And then somewhere in May, my friend Leslie mm-hmm. said, Hey, you know, I have right. We were talking and she said, you know, I might ha- have something that you could do that would be beneficial to you. You could try Heather Hommel's raise your rates boot camp." And I was like, Oh, you know, I read her book a couple of years ago, or I guess it would have been somewhere in 2021. I think I yep. read it while I was in massage school. I read it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I was like, 
this is interesting. This is like very tailored. This is very specific. What it is. <laughs> it's very niche. <laughs> very niche. I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, it's, it's like a hundred dollars. It like mm-hmm. it's nothing. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I'm doing that. And so in June of 2022, I did your raise your rates boot camp. Um, okay. So that was the very first raise your rate boot camp I taught. I feel special. Yeah. That I got in on the first one. You got in on the first one. Well, by the time this airs, I'll have done it three times. So crazy. That's crazy. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you thought would happen coming to raise your rate boot camp and like what actually happened? Like what did you learn? Well, I thought that, you know, some of that's there. I would figure out the practical stuff, mm-hmm. the really practical stuff. And that would help me get to the next level. But that really wasn't what was really needed. You know, sitting down and looking at my facts, which <laughs> I had not done at all. I had yeah, not been looking at don't. my numbers. <laughs> yeah, I had really not been looking at numbers. I hadn't been tracking anything. Yeah. I had probably very little idea of how much money I was making or, and didn't really have a plan for what I wanted to make. Yeah. My prices were completely based on what everybody else was charging. So mm-hmm. when I decided to specialize, which I hadn't officially done yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> well, I was doing it. Yeah. I was like only doing MFR and I was shifting things, but I hadn't really like sent an email, like said, this is what I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't done any of that, but I knew I should charge more for that because I knew that what I was doing had value Yeah, beyond what massage was. But doing your raise your rates boot camp made me realize that I needed to figure out what I wanted to make. And that helped me figure out how much I really should be charging. And it wasn't as simple as that because it's also like, what are you going to do to actually deliver that information to your clients? Because my new rate was way more than what I thought it was going to be because I was struggling. Yeah. Do you mind sharing like what your rate was before you came to raise your rate boot camp? No, no. I was charging $90 an hour. Okay. And did you have multiple kinds of treatments? Like, did you do like hours, half hours, two hour treatments, 90 minutes? No, I did an. I called it integrative massage. Basically, I was going to give you whatever was called for. Okay. Which might include myofascial release, some craniosacral, like anything that I could pull out of my toolbox. Okay. Did you also do 90 minute sessions or did you just oh, yeah. do hours? Okay. I think I remember you being really married to 90 minute sessions when we met. I was married to having choice. Yes, that's right. I'm I'm all about choice. That's right. I also did 120s also. Oh, that's right. Okay. So yeah. you charged $90 an hour. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking before I started the Raise Your Rates boot camp that mm-hmm. I needed to increase it to at least 110. And I thought that that was going to, like, I was going to lose everybody if I went to 110. And so I was probably going to land at 100, which is going to make me sick to my stomach. That's right. Yeah. $10 rate increase. We're getting ill. I mean, that's so normal though. Like 
the experience I think for everybody is, well, I'll just raise my rate five or $10. Like it's really uncomfortable, but I can do it. And like, yes, every single person can raise their rate five or $10. No problem. I even had someone comment that they're not coming to boot camp, but they went ahead and raised their rate $15 or something. And I was just thinking like, ah, oh, it's, it's too bad that they're not coming because what if they needed to raise it $50 and they're going to go through the same amount of drama to raise it 15 when they really needed to raise it 50 to get to where they want to be, but they just right. don't know where they want to be because they just don't know the questions to ask themselves. Right. I ended up raising my rate $60. Yeah. <laughs> and you were shocked to find that out, right? Like we did the math. Pro- it's just math. And yeah. the rest of the time it's dealing with your own drama. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And Part of the facts are how many hours a week do I want to work? So, I mean, I kind of, I thought four treatments, you know, four or five treatments. I was kind of like thinking 16 treatments a week. So, I mean, that's how my numbers came out. And I was horrified simultaneously because I was like, I am going to lose all this momentum I've built over the last six months. As soon as I deliver this, you know, like I can sell them on the fact that what I've already sold most of them on the fact that what I'm doing is is amazing. I only had a couple of people who, well, somebody, somebody who came to me thinking they were getting a massage. Yeah. And he was like, this isn't massage. I'm like, mm, <laughs> yeah, well, it is kind of on me because I didn't quite, but it does say integrative massage and, you know, but anyway, I only had one person who, who didn't like it. So yeah. I knew that they were happy with what I was doing, but I thought I am going to lose all this momentum. I'm going to lose these people. Yeah. What actually happened though? You So you set your rate at 140 then? You ended up setting it at 150. 150. And you got rid of 90 minute sessions. Not at first. Not at first. Okay. I was like, Heather doesn't know. Like, Heather's crazy pants. She does <laughs> not know what she's talking about. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, no, I, I was like, I want that option. So I kept offering 60s and 90s and a couple of 120s. Okay. And when I delivered that information beginning in July, or I delivered it in June, because so like sometime in June and starting in July, we were going to have the new rate increase, but all my old people were going to get brought in at a higher rate, which was like 125. Okay. So they kind of got a grandfathered in rate and their rate went up, but not all the way up. Yeah. Not all the Is way that Because you were afraid people would just leave or what was your uh-huh. reasoning? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. hundred percent. I was afraid I was going to lose everybody. So tell us what actually happened. <laughs> well, so I had a couple of people who, who complained. Uh-huh. Like what did their complaints sound like? Well, they were like, Ooh, I'm not going to be able to come as often. Uh-huh. Cause I, I don't know if you remember, I had a family of people I was seeing. And this was the mother of the family, the matriarch, and my husband won't be coming back. I was like, okay, but do you know, nobody else complained. Yeah. Now I did have people drop off. Mm-hmm. I had a few people drop off. Not yet though. Like in November, I moved everybody up to the 150 or package rate. And so they had a long time because I really hadn't made it. Like I really didn't, had not made a decision about when I was going to yeah, quit that lower rate for everybody. Mm-hmm. Was that mostly just because you weren't willing to feel the discomfort of 
implementing that decision sooner? Like you waited to feel comfortable or what do you think was going on for you then? Like just in hindsight. Oh, I it definitely didn't want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But you were uncomfortable anyway, charging the lower rate, right? Like every time you checked them out and you got paid less, was that a little bit of a discomfort too? Yeah. It took me a little while to get, because at first I was like, oh, this is more money. But then I had people, new people coming in who were paying the higher rate right? and people who were buying packages. And I was just like, why have I complicated this so much? But it took me, it took me a little while. Yeah. It took me a little while, probably by, you know, a couple months into it, I was like, this is crazy. I need to end this. Mm-hmm. I just want to reflect on something though. Like this is your first year in business. And you were making these decisions. Like it's really cool. And I like to point this out because it doesn't matter if you've been in business for 20 years or like this is your first six months in business. No matter where you're at, like you can make these changes and then you get the ripple effect of these decisions for the rest of the length of your business. So even if it took you six months to implement the rate change, it's really not that big of a deal. No. And I grew. I mean, that whole time I was growing and I, my confidence was growing. Yeah. And just your ability to do business because you went from boot camp into group coaching. Right. Exactly. So then we spent three months together, like getting your face coached off and like learning how to talk about MFR, learning how to sell the result. Like, so it was more than just the rate increase. It was like, how do you sell this? And how do your, how do you get clients to understand the results of it and the value, right? not just buy hours on your table. Exactly. Because that's not sufficient. You have to talk to them about what's important to them. Mm-hmm. And that's how to help them understand what the value is. See the value. They kind of understand it, but they're not thinking about it. I am so excited to announce that Raise Your Rate Bootcamp is now a course available for purchase. Buy Raise Your Rate Bootcamp and get all five days of the training and coaching, including the 50-page workbook. Get instant access to the course so you can dig right in and learn my exact method for raising your rate as an MFR therapist. Throughout the training, you'll watch me coach MFR therapists on their concerns and their hesitations around raising their rates. You'll watch the transformation as these therapists go from freaked out to ready to announce the change all over the course of five days. And you'll also hear from current and past coaching clients who will share their experiences of what it's like to work with me as their coach. Click on the link in my bio on Instagram or in the show notes here and get access right now. Have your rate raised by this time next week. You can do it too. And it's interesting because anyone can charge a really high rate, but not everybody can sell it. Oh, that's for sure. Not everyone can sell. MFR because they decide it's hard to talk about. They decide people don't understand, right? They put the ownership on the client to figure it out and they leave it up to them to make the decision versus like becoming the expert in selling MFR. And people will avoid that forever because they think sales are smarmy or gross or cruddy, or like you're a bad person if you sell something. But like when you're a master salesperson, at selling MFR, all you do is help a ton of people get the results that they want. That's literally all you do. Exactly. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Well, and I was very comfortable being the expert in the room because I had had so many years 
in the realm that I had been in prior as a physical therapist assistant. So that part of it, like the conversation at the end, you know, where you sit down and you say, this is what I I see. This is what I think you need. Mm -hmm. This is how often you need to come, blah, blah, blah. That is a very comfortable conversation with me. I've been doing that forever. So the PTs had, you know, they were on board with that, but there are many times where I had to go back and say, I really think this person needs to come more often. Mm -hmm. And that's where the supervision comes in. But um, I was very comfortable with that part of the conversation, but I probably, I for sure wasn't as good at showing them the value of that. How do you feel like your skills are now in selling and showing the value? I feel much, much improved. I feel much more confident. I think there's still some work to do. I mean, that's why I will definitely come back and work with you again this year. Awesome. When I signed up for a Raise Your Rates Bootcamp, I was like, well, there might be something there. I love how many people like repeat Raise Your Rate Bootcamp or like they're in coaching and they like keep coming and then they come to like all of the stuff I offer because it's this attitude of like, there's always something different or always something that I can learn. And I think a lot of MFR therapists have this with repeating seminars, you know, with John, it's like, you can learn something. I'm repeating fascial pelvis for the eighth time. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and I am not ashamed about it. (laughs) You got to figure out that fascial pelvis. That's right. I have it figured out and I just want to keep figuring it out. (laughs) It's a different experience when you're not intimidated by it. Yeah, for sure. And I think the same can be for coaching. Like people can come to coaching kind of intimidated or like worried that they're not going to fit in or worried that they're not making enough money or they're not good enough as a therapist. Like there's all kinds of things that can be going on. But I think when you get into group coaching or just coming to Raise Your Rate Bootcamp, any of the free or low ticket stuff too, you see that you're just in a room with other MFR therapists that are all thinking the same shitty thoughts. And like, you don't have to stay stuck in that anymore. Like it's just optional. I think once you learn it's optional, like everything starts to change. Absolutely. And I think it's incredibly helpful. I think it would be helpful if people understood that you're not getting coaching just on like business basics. Mm -hmm. It's so much deeper than that. You're getting coached on how to manage your fucking mind. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think when you come, like you think, oh, just give me the steps, right? Like, just tell me what to do and I will do it. And it's so much more than that because you have to become the person that decides like what you want to do and makes decisions on purpose doesn't wait for someone else to tell them what to do or you're gonna be waiting around a really long time yeah you don't have time for that (laughs) we got people to see and money to make so let's get into this a little bit about what your business was like the first six months of 2022 and then Mm -hmm. what was it like the last six months of 2022 when you were involved with coaching like numbers wise. Okay. So the first six months of 2022, I made, I grossed $26,000. Okay. That's pretty good for like your first six months in business. Like that's pretty badass. I have to say. Thank you. (laughs) When you're doing that on your own, had you owned other businesses before? I had sold, well, I mean, sort of, I had done an MLM. I had been involved in essential oils. And I had worked my freaking tail off for nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing to have that much money coming through. 
Yeah. I don't want to discount that in any way. Like that's really good. And like, even if you just repeated that, that's still over $50,000 in your first year Mm -hmm. in business. Like that's really badass. Thank you. Okay. So like, I'm glad though that you wanted help. So with my assistance, what did you do in the last six months of the year? I made $74,000 total for the year. Okay. So I made basically another $50,000. So I doubled my second half of the year. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. By the time I got to September, October, well, October, I made almost $14,000. Is that the biggest month you've had? Yeah, it's the biggest month I've had. And part of that was because I was not stopping myself from working more than 16 hours a week. I had people coming in. I was super excited and I had to help everybody. So I was working more like 18 or 19 hours a week, most weeks. Okay. So I did a lot more service that month than I did. And I probably did for the rest of the year. What do you think was going on then? Were you just like afraid that somehow like the momentum would go away if you didn't get everybody in? I think it's that like sort of partly that people pleasing, caregiving thing that goes on in our brains. That's like, you know, if somebody comes through the door and I get them in the door once, then I have to find space for them in my schedule, even if I don't have room. Cause I was, yeah. you know, from July all the way till January, I, I was booked out six weeks. That's amazing. And that's like a next level problem, right? Like it, yes, it's everybody's dream and everybody's nightmare. Once you get there, if you don't have a managed mind, because then you start to do behaviors like overworking, right? Which can lead to burnout. Which is what I did. You know, even at that point with your coaching that it was around then when I just got so busy, I was like, okay, I'm going to drop the 90 minutes and go to 60s because I need to tailor my schedule. And I am going to have a conversation with the people who haven't committed to this process, who are coming once a month or once every two months, and they're just miserable. And like, I've been talking to them for months and months and months about coming in regularly, and they haven't made that commitment. Well, Mm -hmm. I've got a ton of people here who want to come weekly. And they're plugging up the schedule because they're scheduling out way in advance. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be ugly about that, but they were essentially, they were blocking somebody else from getting better and they were not committed to getting better themselves and they were blocking the schedule for somebody else. So I broke up with about 10 clients. Wow. That's a lot of people. How was that for you? It was scary. I felt bad because some of those people I had known for a really long time, I'd known a lot, a lot of people from my pelvic floor, you know, therapy days. Yeah. But they can always come back, right? If they want to well, come absolutely. in. I didn't say don't come back. I just said, I am only going to be serving clients who can make the commitment they need to make to heal. And you're not one of those people at this point. No, I didn't <laughs> yeah. say it like that, but for whatever the reasons, yeah, yeah. for whatever I think reason. you had a lot of clients that were like kind of taking advantage or like, booking way out and then like no showing then or like canceling. And, you know, it was really starting to become one of those things for you, like where you're like, okay, I want to have control over my schedule. I need to make policies around this, right? That's part of like only being in business for one year is like 
sometimes you don't know what's working, what isn't working and what to do differently until it's like in your face. And then you get the opportunity to fix it right away if you have a managed mind. (laughs) Or you can people please your way through it and just, you know, whatever, hope it works out. Well, I had a cancellation policy Mm -hmm. because I had been so burned as a PTA by people not showing up. Yeah. I had a very strong cancellation policy, but it was only 24 hours notice. It was around the same time in August or September where I went, okay, I'm bumping it up to 48 hours and I just need that time. I really do. And I'm going to tell these people that they are no longer my clients unless they can make this commitment. Yeah. I mean, and you didn't make that decision from scarcity. Like you made it like from your power, like from very centered, like grounded energy. And it's still difficult to tell people how they have to show up, right? Oh, absolutely. And then here's the thing. They all had the option to decide to show up, but these 10 were like, yeah, okay, we won't come anymore, right? And that's kind of the feeling you had. I think that had you avoid it for a while too, is like the rejection of them agreeing and being like, yeah, I don't don't really want this, which is difficult. Yeah, for sure. But how easy was it for you to fill those spots or at least get your schedule down and under control? It was really easy. I was getting closer and closer to my goal of 16 by the end of the year. And we went on vacation in January for almost three, I was gone almost three weeks. That's amazing. I know. I've never taken that much vacation. And did you feel like you could afford to go on that vacation? Yeah. Like, did you make $75,000 a year as a PTA? My hourly wage, if I had worked 40 hours a week with no time off, I would have made almost that much. Okay. But you never actually grossed that much in that. No, I never did. I never, I never made more than 50 something. Yeah. And that's working your ass off. Yeah. I was working over 40 hours a week. Well, I was working a lot. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So this is like $75,000 working 18 hours or less a week. Yeah. That's so badass. Like because it's it's one thing to be like, oh, I made $75,000, but I worked my ass off. And like, and you're still working hard. Like there's no yeah. part about running a business where you're not working hard, which is oh. fine. Hard work is great. But when you are hustling and grinding, it is not as great as just like the payoff of hard work and doing what you say you're going to do and serving the amount of clients you say you're going to serve. Well, and you can't show up with the energy you need to have to heal people. Yeah. If you're wearing yourself down. And how can you even like part of my goal is to educate my clients about balance in their lives. How can I help people do that if I am not taking care of myself? Exactly. And I think for anyone listening to this, that's like such a good point. Like check in with yourself and really ask yourself these questions like, am I an example of what's possible for my clients? Am I going first? Am I showing them how to show up by doing it for myself? Like, am I paying for treatment? Am I like regularly self-treating? Am I taking time off? Like, am I nurturing myself outside of this job? Because I think it's easy because it feels so freaking good to treat people, right? And to help people. You can almost get addicted to the sensation and the feeling you get in the treatment room. And once you walk out, like, if your only nurturing is coming from inside the treatment room, like you've got to really check in and figure out like, okay, what do I need? Who do I need to book an appointment with? 
Exactly. And lucky for you, like you have so many people in your area. You've got Leslie, you've got Rob, you've got Rain. Is there anybody else in the area? Oh, and then you got like Tracy Hobby that's not that far away. Mandy. Yeah, it's not far. Mandy's pretty close too, although I don't know Mandy. There's a couple of people in Williamsburg. Yeah. But these are all people that we just know just from like coaching, like people that have coached, right? Like right. in this area, like within two hours of each other. I want to point that out for a couple of reasons. One, because it shows that multiple people can work in a pretty dense area, like in this area, and all of you are making a lot of money and all of you are, are either fully booked or really close to fully booked. And none of you are in competition with each other. Like there's plenty of bodies and many of you were in coaching in the same group and it was still okay. You weren't like in competition with each other. Well, Rob, Leslie and I were in coaching at the same time. Yeah. And I see Leslie. She sees me. I see Rob when Leslie's not in town. Yeah. I just think it's great. I think it when all of you guys are kind of charging a higher rate and like, but based on coaching facts, like you've gone through that, it helps all of your businesses out. It doesn't detract and it doesn't make it so that you're not going to make money. Because a lot of people are always like afraid, like, oh, well, there's other people in my area or this person's an expert. And yeah, you know, like I'm not as good as this person. And it literally doesn't matter. Aren't you guys all different levels of expertise? We are. I mean, Rob and I went to our first training together, but he kept like taking more and more courses. I was taking pelvic floor courses while he was taking more MFR courses. And Leslie jumped in later, but Leslie, like it's, you know, we're all different levels. I'm the one who's catching up right now, Um, (laughs) but I've had 10 years with hands on with people doing this on a lot of bodies, a lot of bodies. Yeah. I mean, those levels, they mean something, but do they? Right. It really just matters like your thoughts about it because it doesn't have to hold you back from treating people. No. And John even says some of the best therapists are like the new ones because they're not in their heads yet or they're like, they haven't gotten cocky. Like they haven't decided that they know it all. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's so interesting. I just, I like to point out the fun fact that you guys, like there are a lot of therapists there and like everybody is thriving. And you know me, like I love nothing more than to see thriving MFR practices. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we're getting close to the top of the hour. So I just wanted to ask you, like, is there anything else you want to share about your experience or like your biggest takeaway from what you learned in coaching or what you've learned about your business in the last year? Well, as I was reflecting, if you had asked me if I was confident about my business and what I was doing last year, I would have said, yeah, I I feel like I've got a good head on my shoulders and I feel really confident. But the person I am today, this year, I think part of that's because I'm actually only working 16 hours a week and I'm actually taking advantage of my time off and getting to yoga, getting out to walk, eating nicely and getting treated weekly. That's on my schedule too. Those things make me a better practitioner and they certainly are a part of why I feel incredibly confident. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the year, I came back from my trip and my schedule wasn't completely full. And I just thought, 
Oh, well, that's okay. I'll just have an opportunity to see new people because I haven't been able to see hardly any new people. And sure enough, I got to see new people. And I think that's wonderful because there's so many people in our community that need this help. So coaching definitely, like, without a doubt, has led me to this point. Uh, Support and the guidance has helped me get to this point. Like I watched all your materials before I watched everything before we started coaching and there was so much more to be done beyond just watching all the material. Yeah. It's a big inside job, but I think that people aren't necessarily expecting for sure. Cause I think we have also, as I know this about myself, I can't speak for others, but I'm just going to make a blanket assumption. <laughs> I always thought because I did so much myofascial release and I was so in touch with my body that I knew it all in a way that I was confident and I had this great view about my business and I could game the system in a way because I had processed everything through my body. And then I came to learn from coaching from my own coach that like my brain was a hot cesspool mess of just thought errors. And the way I actually thought about myself was really gross. And I would carry that everywhere, just insecure to the max. So being able to shift that around, and I'm not saying everybody is just as insecure as I was, but just like having one-tenth less of that insecurity and being able to walk around that much more confident and secure in what you're doing and to handle any problem that comes your way, less and less bothered by it, like is such a powerful tool to have because the experience of your life is totally different when you're not reacting to everything going on around you. You're just living your life, responding, like you're just part of it. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, because of the work that I've done or that we're all doing that are in coaching with you, I have consistent income every month now. I didn't even have that when I was in coaching with you because I needed more help getting there, but I have consistent income every month. I'm definitely going to go over 100K this year. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've already made more in three months than I did in six months last year. So that's kind of a nice little thing. It makes you just feel like, oh, you're doing okay. I'm I'm booked out. Well, it's amazing. No, it is. I don't think people really understand like the power of being financially stable and being able to make money on demand. It's a very powerful skill to have. And now even if all of your clients left, like you know how to create clients. Yeah. You could literally pick this business up and open it anywhere and have the same result. Yeah, I for sure could do that. I I don't want to do that, but... No, like why would you? (laughs) Exactly. Why would (laughs) I? But you could if you needed to. Yeah, I definitely could. And, And I have a lot more confidence and my mind is much more managed because there are so many things that were so hard for me that I didn't even realize that were hard for me yeah. when I met you. So it's great to feel like I've got that much more managed. Yeah. It's, it's just like this ease. It's the difference between channel three and channel five. True. Like anyone can have a channel five business, but can you have a channel three one? Yeah. It's not as easy as it sounds to get there, but you can do it. And it just takes a little bit of inner work. Yeah, for sure. And the willingness to like be in a healing crisis the entire time you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, it's it's so nice though. Once you get through it though, you're like, oh, this is amazing. Just like, you know, coming off the table when it's been magical and mystical as it is so many times. Yeah. I feel like sometimes going through coaching is a lot like an MFR treatment. Like it's magical and mystical. And then sometimes like you feel like a truck hit you. (laughs) Yes. But you get through it and like, you're always glad for that experience. Like, yeah, there's good stuff in it for sure. All right. Well, we could probably talk forever. I am looking forward to meeting you in person. I'm going to be meeting all the Richmond people in person when I head to Fashel Pelvis for my eighth time. So that'll be fun. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm signed up for treatments with Lots of therapists in the area. I can't make it to everyone, but (laughs) I'm getting a lot of treatment while I'm there, which is so fun. And then you're going to go to fascial pelvis. And then I'm going to go to fascial pelvis. I mean, gosh. Yeah. So, well, I just wanted to thank you for sharing your story and for being so coachable. Like there's a difference between someone who wants coaching and someone who doesn't. I only want people to join who want coaching. I will never force coaching on anyone It's a fun experience for me as the coach. I love to hear the wins. And I also love to hear about the hard times so that we can dissect like exactly what's going on. So then you can avoid that happening next time. Or if something happens again, you can work through it faster. So I appreciate you sharing your entire story with us. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up? No, just thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, I'll see you in a few weeks. For everybody else, I'll see you next week on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Don't forget to check out my website, www.themfrcoach.com for more information. And if you're interested in joining group coaching, go there and look for the links for more information. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My goal is to help all MFR therapists stop under earning and burning out. I have several resources available for you. Read my book, The MFR Coach's Guide to Having Your Own MFR Business, available on Amazon and at Advanced John Barnes MFR Seminars. Keep listening to the podcast. I'll always have fresh content each and every week. Join my group coaching program. Enrollment opens four times per year. We take all the information I teach and lay down the foundation for your six-figure MFR business. It's more than just raising rates, but you'll make that the hardest part. Then expand into the business owner who delivers your rate like it's just the news and who can sell MFR to anyone in any situation. I'll show you how. Get on my email list, follow me on social media at The MFR Coach, and visit my website for more information on group enrollment, themfrcoach.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.